With the increasing restrictions in Australia, and especially in Melbourne recently, there's been a lot of talk about freedom and what it is. Right at the moment, the discussion is whirling around face masks. You might have seen earlier in this week with face masks becoming mandatory in parts of Victoria, a whole bunch of videos of people refusing to wear face masks and mostly filming themselves uh, refusing to wear face masks. Uh, in one video, uh, there's a woman in Bunnings uh, refusing to wear a mask and she's claiming that it's part of her human rights to have the choice not to wear one. And, and in this video, it, it ends with her saying, it is my right as a living woman to do whatever I want. Now you might think that that's a bit ridiculous, or perhaps you've been wondering what all these restrictions mean for my freedom. And it does raise the question, doesn't it? Who's the government? Who are they to tell me what to wear? when I can sing, who I can have in my home, whether I can shake someone's hand for goodness sake. All these restrictions that cramps our style. And it very much does feel as though something is happening to our freedom, as though we're constrained. And, and that is our society's definition of freedom, isn't it? That to be free is to be free to do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whoever we want, in whatever way we want. Countless songs have told us this. Uh, the Isuzu 4x4 ad tells us that, you know, you go your own way. Inspirational people tell us that success is doing what you want. Even Disney tells us that, that we should follow our dreams, follow our desires, and don't you let anything set your part in, path in life. You get to decide. Tells us that freedom means no constraints, means to decide for myself what is right, not to have someone else tell me who I am or how I should live. But how's that going for our society? Well, how is freedom going for you? Maybe you've got freedom, but you're feeling or fearing that you might be losing it. Or maybe you don't feel free, maybe you feel trapped by something and desperately want freedom. Well, wherever you're at, I think we've all agreed that freedom is good, it's desirable, it's something we should be striving for, but what is it? What is true freedom? Is it doing what we want, when we want, with who we want? For example, you know, what does true freedom mean for a fish? Is the fish most free here when he's in the water? constrained by the limits of the fluid that he's swimming in? Or is he free here, <laughs> soaring through the air? Or here, free at last, flopping about on the floor? Or what about Thomas the Tank Engine? Is he free when he finally breaks free of the tracks, when he makes it into the paddock? Is he free there? Now we are neither fish nor trains, but what about us? What is true freedom for people and how do we get it? Well, in today's passage, Jesus claims to offer true freedom. And as we unpack this passage today, uh, we're going to see uh, three steps to finding and experiencing true freedom in Jesus. And these three steps, so the first step is admit that you're not free. Second step, Seek the truth. 
And the third step is enjoy your freedom. So let's jump into the second half of John chapter 8 and we'll see the first step to freedom, which is ironically to admit that you're not free. Now the context of this conversation that we find Jesus in here is he's having a conversation with a, a crowd of Jews uh, and he's at the Feast of the Tabernacles in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is particularly remembering how God set the Israelites free from being slaves in Egypt, uh, focusing in this feast at how God kept them safe and provided from, for them as he led them through the wilderness on their journey to Canaan, which eventually was Israel. Now, Jesus has just finished in the first half of John 8 an interaction with the crowd about Jesus being the light of the world. And some of the crowd seem convinced. Have a look there, verse 30. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He wants to push them further and show them how much they really need him. So let's pick up this account uh, here in verse 31. John chapter 8, 31 to 50. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Any, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you, are, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I, that I heard from God. Abraham didn't, did not do such things. You are doing things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. Only the father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God. And now I am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why do you, don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan, a demon possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, Jesus said Jesus. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. So Jesus, to these Jews who to some extent believe in him, to them, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you 
are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. To these Jews, Jesus offers freedom. But they don't think they need it. They're a bit offended. And, and fair enough. If someone came up to you and offered you freedom, you'd say, well, I'm already free. And, and that's their answer. Verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now, this might seem a bit strange to start with. Uh, if you know a bit of Israel's history, you'll know that the Jews have basically never been free. They've always had some overlord or another. But it seems that they're indicating uh, that they've never been slaves to anyone spiritually. Uh, and that's what they're saying to Jesus. We, we've not been slaves. We don't need to be freed. And that's natural, isn't it? No one wants a saviour if they don't need saving. But, but Jesus is concerned that we and these Jews make the right diagnosis. He's concerned that we will realise just how sick we are, that we're not as free as we like to think, but we are in fact slaves. Verse 34, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now what we see here and throughout the Bible is that there is a difference between sin and sins. And not that one is singular, one sin, and the other is plural, many sins, but that one is condition, the condition of sin, and the others, the sins, are the symptoms of that condition. Uh, this condition of sin is this desire to be autonomous, to make my own rules, to be selfish, to be rebellious against God and say, I want to do what I want. That's fundamentally at the core, core of being a sinner. Uh, that is the condition of sin, is to say, well, I want to decide what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. And the symptoms of that condition, the symptoms that show that we have that condition, are the sins, the many things we do that show that's truly what we believe. And Jesus says that when it comes to the condition of sin, you diagnose it by watching behaviour. That it doesn't matter what we claim or identify as, our behaviour shows our condition. And we see that for these Jews, particularly in verses 37 to 47 here, where Jesus says, he says, you say that you're children of Abraham, you claim that you're children of God, but you're children of a different father. You say that you're members of God's family. But the way you're treating me, the way you're behaving, shows that you're not. You're scheming to kill me. You don't believe me. You don't love me. You hate the truth. You refuse to hear what God says. They are the symptoms. And here's the diagnosis, he says. You aren't children of God. You're children of the devil. Now, now that seems extreme, and it is extreme, but in the context of this passage, it's another way of saying you are slaves to sin. That's the pattern you're following, he says, that you can't escape from. You are slaves to sin. And throughout the Bible, the same test is applied to us. That's what, well, one of the things, these countless ethical instructions, both the law in the Old Testament and the instructions in the New Testament, it's one of the things they do 
is they reveal our true condition. We looked at that through Galatians, didn't we? we? That that they serve as, as a mirror to diagnose our condition. Just think about it in your life as a moment. Are you free from anger? Completely free. Are you free from the love of money? Are you free from lust? Are you free from pride? Are you free from being concerned of what others think of you? Are you free from seeking more and more? More food, more experience, more luxury, more security. Are you free from being selfish? Are you completely free from all that? Free? Or despite your best efforts, do you keep coming back to them, returning to them, failing to be free from them, as if you were shackled on a chain and kept getting dragged back? Well, Jesus says that anyone who sins is a slave to sin, is shackled. It's not just an issue. It's not dabbling in sin. It's not a problem with sin. It's a slave to sin. And we see that when we try and stop. When we try to live up to our own standards, let alone God's standards. How long can you last living up to those standards? A week? A day? An hour? Being completely free from all those things. We like to think we're free, but are you truly free? Jesus shows us that we're not. There's a statement that goes around, and I think it really helps here, illustrates it. uh, That the first step to fixing a problem is admitting you have a problem. If you truly want freedom, if you want true freedom, that's the first step recognizing, admitting that you are indeed in slavery, that you are not free. And only then can we move on to the next step, which is to seek the truth. And the good news is that not only does Jesus give the diagnosis, he also offers a solution. Verse 31, to the Jews who'd believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. There is freedom from this slavery and the truth unlocks it. But not just general truth, like like education. Even in this verse, we see that. Uh, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching. Why is it that Jesus' truth is the truth that sets us free and not some other truth? Well, it's because of who Jesus is. The Jews recognize this, that this is at the core of Jesus' claims. And so they attack his identity next. Have a look there in verses 48 to 59. John 8, 48 to 59. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan, demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honour my Father, and you dishonour me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, 
Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you God? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do not know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day as he saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you truly, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus had hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So what begins with this ridiculous accusation about Jesus' identity? Oh, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? It begins there, but it circles around and around, closer and closer, until Jesus out and out says it. I am God. Verse 58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, what the I am is saying here is it saying that I'm, I'm God. I am who I am is God's name for himself in Exodus 3 when Moses says to God, God, you're sending me to save the Israelites. Who will I say sent me? What name will I give them? I am, God says. That's who sent you. That's the name to give. Now, Jesus uses that phrase, I am, at other places in John. Uh, even we saw it last week. I am the light of the world. But in all these places, it's there, but it's not as clear. It's connected uh, to something. I am the light. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. But here, it's not attached to anything. Only the statement that before Abraham was, I am. There's nothing that comes after before Abraham was, I am. There's nothing there. It's a claim uh, to be ageless, even without the am, before Abraham was, uh, to be ancient, to be other. But with the I am, it's a claim to be divine, to be God himself. And we can know this for a fact because we see how the Jews respond. They get it. They know what he's saying. Uh, they were there on the day. They couldn't misinterpret his body language. Verse 59, at this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, now, remember, this is a time when the Jews weren't in charge. They were under Roman occupation. And there would have been consequences for a, a public execution without the Romans' uh, permission. Uh, so you don't risk that. You, you don't stone someone to death for bad grammar because, oh, they've used the wrong phrase, the wrong parsing. No, you don't stone someone for that. They're stoning Jesus, or they're wanting to, because of his claim, because they have recognised that Jesus is claiming to be God himself, to be God the Son. But, but why is he here? Why has God the Son come to earth, walking on earth, interacting with people? 
Well, we see the reason that Jesus is here, that God is here on earth, with the illustration Jesus gave back in verse 35. Uh, Remember that, verse 35, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, Jesus says, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Uh, The illustration is the illustration of slavery versus sonship. Uh, And the point Jesus is making is, if the Son himself, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus identifies himself as God, the Son. And in this passage, the Son, the heir, is the true and permanent member of the family. He is the one who has come to set the slave free from sin. Remember sin, the the condition as opposed to sins? Sin, uh, this independent rebellion against God? Well, the penalty of sin, the penalty of that condition is that there is a debt. There is a consequence and that consequence is eternal separation from God. What the Bible calls hell. Now, when Jesus says, use this illustration of slavery... Uh, We've got to remember he gives that into a context where slavery was a real and everyday thing. Uh, In the Roman era, uh, there were lots of slaves. A vast proportion of the Roman Empire were were actually slaves. Uh, And slaves at that time, they didn't have rights. Uh, They didn't even necessarily earn a wage. They were owned by the the owner of that household. Uh, they, They didn't have choices. They didn't have freedom to decide what they would do with their life. And the way you could make a slave free in the Roman Empire was to redeem them, was to buy them from their owner, to to pay the price required for that slave. For a slave then, a slave really couldn't escape. It wasn't a possibility. Uh, For a slave then, they, they can't earn their freedom. Uh, You couldn't earn enough in a lifetime to buy your own freedom. The only way you could be free as a slave in the Roman Empire was if it was purchased and gifted by someone else. Explicitly, Jesus says, by by the son, by the heir, by the permanent member of the family, the one with the authority in that household. That's what it was like in the Roman Empire. And that's what Jesus says. That's what it's like with our enslavement to sin. Uh, We can't, uh, for a slave now, slavery to sin, we can't escape. We can't escape from this slavery. We can't get out of it. We can't earn our own freedom. We can't do enough good things uh, to deserve freedom, to make up the bad we've done. We can only be given freedom. Freedom can only be purchased and gifted, Jesus says, by the Son, by the heir. And that's the truth that Jesus was speaking of back in verse 31. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth here is the gospel. The word gospel just means good news. The good news of Jesus That Jesus lived this perfect life, earning uh, true freedom, earning a place in God's family. That Jesus not only lived that life, but he went to the cross. And on the cross, he wasn't dying as an example of how to love someone. He was dying 
paying the price, paying the penalty that we deserve for, for our rebellion against God. He was redeeming us. He was paying what was owed to free us from sin. The good news that in Jesus' resurrection, when he came back to life and his ascension as he went to his throne in heaven, that that guaranteed and confirmed Jesus' success. It confirmed his victory, his authority, his identity. The good news that when we come to him, admitting we aren't free, admitting we're slaves, bound and hopeless and helpless, that we are there by our own fault, by our own sins, our own rebellion. When we seek Jesus, when we trust him and follow him, that he gives freedom. Freedom from the penalty of sin, which he took on the cross. Over in another one of John's writings, 1 John 1 chapter, uh, verse 9, we read this, that if we confess our sins, admit our sins, confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, in the letter to the Hebrews, we, we read how this feels. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up, up for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That when we are freed from the penalty, the consequences of our sins, we are cleansed, we are forgiven. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus that can set us free, free from slavery to sin. Now, later on in this book of John, we actually see Jesus call himself the truth. So the truth isn't that some, something that Jesus brings. It's not a statement. Uh, Jesus himself is the truth. And he describes himself like that because this freedom comes with a relationship to Jesus. It, it comes with this inherent connectedness to Jesus himself. Not, not just some information you might learn from Jesus. It's coming to Jesus that sets us free. Seeking him. But, but that, that's only step two in our passage uh, step one, remember, was to admit that we're not free. Step two is to seek the truth, seek the good news, seek Jesus. And step three is to enjoy your freedom. Have another look with me at how Jesus describes this freedom in verse 31 where we began. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, he says it a different way. Right at the end, down in verse 51, very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. What we see in the Bible is that there's actually three elements to being free from sin. The first element is free from the penalty of sin, the punishment or the consequences of sin. 
the second element is free from the power of sin, the power that sin has over us, that we, we can't stop sinning. And the third element is, is to be free from the presence of sin, where sin is no more in our life or in our world. And that one is still to come. That's, what, that's one of the promises of the eternal future of being with God forever, that one day we will be free from the presence of sin. But, but here in this life, we are to enjoy and experience freedom from sin by being free from the penalty and power of sin. Uh, that means that when we come to Jesus, uh, he moves in, he releases us from our bondage. Uh, now, we, we saw that with the free from the penalty of sin already, uh, that we are free from having to pay the consequence for our sin because Jesus has already paid us. He's redeemed, uh, redeemed us from that, that we don't have to suffer uh, hell because Jesus has done that for us. That's the penalty of sin. But, but now we're also free from the power of sin if we have come to Jesus and sought him and found freedom in him. Uh, it's now possible to move forward. It's now possible to break free from habits and patterns and lifestyles of slavery to sin. Uh, break free from that life to a new life, a new pattern of life that is not determined by my own selfish wants and desires, but a new life that is now guided by God's good and right design for us. Remember the fish and Thomas the tank engine? They think they're free when they escape the water, when they escape their tracks. And we've believed a similar lie. We've believed that true freedom is to do whatever I want, for, to go my own way, for me to decide what is right. But true freedom in Jesus is not for me to decide how to live, but to live as we were designed to live. First and foremost, in relationship with God. To be in that relationship, that right relationship with our creator, our heavenly father who loves us. And true freedom is living that relationship out. Living a life that is constrained by God's good guidance on how that works. Like a fish living in the water. So, so how do we get there? How do we get to experiencing this true freedom? Well, let's run back through it and think about what it looks like. Uh, first of all, we've got to recognize, we've got to admit that we're slaves. And we need to recognize the things of slavery. Call them for what they are. They are shackles. We need to look at the things of this world that often we, we think of as the things that show us freedom. Uh, to do what I want, to spend my money my own way, to sleep or live with whoever I want to live Often we think of that as freedom, but it's actually to admit that that isn't freedom, that is slavery. And those things are shackles, they are the things of slavery. And instead of uh, dwelling on them and looking at them and, and desiring them, to stop looking and desiring that and start seeing true freedom and longing for that. That's the first step. Admit you're not free. And then we need to seek the freedom that we need. I want to encourage us to pursue Jesus until you're in. Uh, many of us sort of start looking into Jesus, but pull up short. 
don't quite get there. I want to encourage you today not to be okay with not quite being in Jesus' family. Maybe you've been sort of hanging around the edges of Christianity, the edges of relationship with Jesus for a while. I want encourage you not to be content with that. Don't be content with nearly being a Christian, with almost being there. Now, we've got a series coming out starting next week, the Life Series, and that is a great place to dig deeper, to get into what it means to, to love Jesus, to get in a relationship with him, to be truly free. So please stick with us if you're there. Keep pursuing Jesus. Keep seeking him. Don't pull up short. And if you're already there, if you've already come into a relationship with Jesus, uh, seeking him, seeking the truth, means keep dwelling on the truth. Uh, practically, that means burying yourself in the Bible, uh, in God's word. Uh, we've got to know what Jesus says, who he is, if we're going to love and seek the truth. Uh, it's going to mean burying ourselves, getting deep in prayer and relationship with God. So that's the second bit. You've got, to, you've got to seek and keep seeking the truth. And then we've actually got to enjoy, we've got to experience the freedom that we have after we've made those steps. And that means not going back to slavery, not dabbling with slavery to sin, not returning to it, but living out our freedom in Jesus. Oh, I want to ask you today, do you believe that you're still a slave? Is there an area of your life where you still believe that you are a slave to sin? Uh, this is if you've already done those first two steps, if you've already admitted your slavery and come to Jesus hopeless and helpless, if you've sought him, uh, the truth, and accepted Jesus, and now you're a Christian, but do you still believe you're a slave? Is there some area of your life that you feel, oh, I can't change. I can't beat this. I'm still shackled. Well, that is a lie. That is the lie from the devil who is the father of lies. What sin are you still living as if you were still a slave to? What sin are you still hanging on to that maybe you don't want to let go of? Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to be perfectly sinless for the rest of our lives. But it does mean that we will have a new pattern of life that incrementally, bit by bit, as you look at the big picture of your life or someone else's life, you will see an incremental freedom from slavery to sin that will be evidenced by an incremental freedom from slavery to sins, to the, the symptoms of that condition. And so I want to encourage us to do that today. Again and again, admit that we are slaves, that we desperately need freedom. Again and again, seek truth, seek Jesus, seek relationship with him, seek freedom. And enjoy then, pursue the freedom that we have. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you that you offer us true freedom in Jesus. That though we are slaves, though we are rebels, though we are enslaved to our own selfishness and desires, we're enslaved to our desire from independence from you. 
you came to save us, that you offered yourself, your life, your son to save us from the slavery uh, that we have got ourselves into, slavery to sin. And so we want to seek you. We want to ask that you would, you would come to us, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would free us. Free us from the penalty of sin. Please help us to trust Jesus from, for freedom. We pray that you would free us from the power of sin, uh, from those elements of our lives that we are enslaved to, that we uh, fail to escape from. Please help us to be freed uh, from those elements of our lives. And we look forward to the day when one day we will be free from the presence of sin, when we will be with you forever. Uh, we're in a world that is free from sin, in bodies that are free from sin, uh, enjoying relationship and with, with you and with each other forever. And we pray that you would help us to start enjoying our freedom in you now. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.